Welcome to Arbor Bridge Church's weekly podcast with your teacher, Daryl Canty. Arbor Bridge Church exists to bridge the gospel and our community by connecting people to Jesus and each other. Visit us online at arborbridgechurch.com. Uh, so, all throughout history, I mean, obviously you guys know this, all throughout history, uh, people have been trying to predict the end of the world. Um, so many, many Christians thought that 1000 AD was going to be the end of the world. Um, ironically, uh, 1000 years later, uh, those, those of you guys who are old enough to remember uh, Y2K, we thought, uh, two, you know, lots of people thought the year 2000 was going to be the end of the world. Uh, all the computers were going to stop working and uh, everything was going to be over. Um, and, and I remember at that time being very skeptical. Uh, just, you know, yeah, right. The end of the world. Um, and I, I, uh, I'm often skeptical. I will admit that I'm often skeptical when people say definitive things about the end of the world. Uh, and maybe too skeptical. That being said, clearly Jesus says some things about the end of the world that we can't be skeptical about if you're a Jesus follower, you have, you have to take seriously. Um, and once when Jesus was describing to his 12 disciples some of the, what the end times would look like, he says this, he says, you will hear of wars and rumors of wars, but see to it that you're not alarmed. The end of the world's happening. Don't be afraid. Don't be alarmed because such things must happen, but the end is still to come. Nations will rise against nation and kingdom against kingdom. And there'll be famines and earthquakes in various places. All these things are the beginning of the birth pains. Um, so one of, one of Jesus' 12 disciples named Matthew, he wrote this. Uh, and there's another one of, uh, of, of, of a Jesus follower at that time who was a doctor and historian named Luke. And he wrote down uh, a version of this same conversation and in, in Luke's account of this conversation, uh, Jesus is describing the end times. He says there's going to be famines and earthquakes and epidemics. Clearly, all those things are happening now. But obviously, I wanted for our purposes today, I wanted to, I wanted to add to the conversation the word epidemic for obvious reasons. Because, you know, what the world has faced these last 18 months. Last week, I started a series um, called How to Walk Through. And it's, it's, just, it's about how our church family's processed the last 18 months of our, you know, our existence. Um, and if you, like I said, if you consider yourself a member of our church, love, please, please, please um, go back and listen to that message um, on our website or on YouTube or Facebook or on our podcast. We're on Apple Podcast or Stitcher Podcast. Please, uh, please go back and listen to that. So Jesus says there's going to be all this tension between nations and bad blood between the nations. And there's going to, along with that, there's going to be famines and earthquakes and epidemics. And that's just the beginning. Then you will be handed over to, to be persecuted and put to death. And you will be hated by all nations because of me. So, and ultimately, all this hatred and persecution, you know, it's initiated by the devil, right? All, all you know, God is hated by the devil, um, and he ignites hatred and persecutions against God's people all the time. Um, and, and so I want, I want you to think that through. I want you to think that through for a second. Why does the devil 
instigate hatred and persecution against Jesus' followers. And for real, I want you to, to, to try to answer that question in your mind. If someone that was not a Jesus follower and they're asking you, why does the devil instigate hatred and persecution against Jesus followers? How would you respond? What would you say? Listen to this. Then you will be handed over to be persecuted, put to death, you will be hated by all the nations because of me. Why? Why does the devil want to do this? Well, at that time, many will turn away from the faith and will betray and hate each other. And many false prophets will appear and deceive many people because of the increase of wickedness. The love of most will grow cold. This is the devil's intent. This is the devil's intent for you and for me. This is the devil's intent. Jesus followers losing their faith and not just in Christ, but in his body uh, and betraying and hating each other and um, being deceived and, and increasing wickedness and our love for Christ and the, the people of the world growing cold. Um, that is why and that's his intent. Jesus once told one of, his, one of his closest disciples, Peter, he says, Peter, listen, Satan has asked if he can sift you like wheat. Which is, if Jesus said that to me, I'd be like, what? What does that mean? What do you mean by that? Well, first, first I think was one thing that's interesting, when, when, Jesus, when Jesus says, he says, Satan has asked to sift you like we, I think something that's interesting is that Satan has to ask permission, which is really good news for those of us who are Jesus followers. Satan has to ask permission um, to, to sift people like wheat. But then I want you to imagine this, imagine this. Imagine the devil has asked for permission to put us and our faith in a huge strainer. So if you can imagine a huge strainer, a colander thing, you, got, you, 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 uh, you drain your, um, your, your spaghetti noodles in. Imagine a huge strainer where he, he puts us into the strainer and he begins to shake it and the holes in the strainer are big enough for us to fit through, but not our faith, not our faith. So if we hold on to our faith, if we hold on to Christ, if we hold on to the cross, we won't fall through. We won't fall through the strainer into the devil's hands. The devil has to ask for permission to shake that strainer, to put Jesus' followers through challenging things, to see who, who he can get to fall through, who he can get to fall out, to test the faith of of. of those of us who call ourselves Jesus followers, he puts us in that strainer and puts us through the challenges. And if, if we hold on, we don't fall through, but he wants to find out whose faith's gonna fail. Whose faith's gonna fail. And that's why this section I'm reading from Matthew is so troubling to me when I read it. And for me, honestly, honestly, and my wife tells me sometimes I'm naive about this. For me, honestly, it's not the, it's not the persecution or the prison or the death that's troubling to me. The troubling to me, the thing that's troubling to me is this. That in the end times, Satan will be allowed to shake things up and many will turn away from the faith and betray and hate each other. Jesus followers... 
and many will be deceived. And because of the increase of wickedness in the world, the love of most, that, when, when you, when we read that, if we take the Bible seriously, when we read that, Jesus says the love of most will grow. That is troubling. And honestly, we've talked before in our church family, like when we read something in the Bible, when Jesus says something, we should say, is he talking about me? Lots of times when I read, I'm like, he ain't talking about me. We should ask the question, is he talking about me? And then we should be honest. In this case, it's a little bit different because he uses the word most. So when we read this, I think we should, do, I think we should go further this time. When he says the love of most is going to grow cold, we have to go even further and assume that he, he probably is talking about me. And certainly if we're not careful, he's talking about me. He's talking about me. If you're willing to believe, if you're willing to believe um, that the devil wants to use this, the, the persecution that Jesus talks about to see us fall away from faith, if you're willing to believe that, then I want you to consider this. Just before the persecution, remember, just before the persecution that he talked about, Jesus mentioned this. He says, there will be great earthquakes and uh, wide scale food shortages and epidemics. I got something crazy to, to, to ask you. And maybe, maybe it's a stretch for some of you, maybe it's not. Would you be willing to consider that the devil intends to use earthquakes and famines and epidemics the same way he wants to use those persecutions. The same way that the devil wants to use persecutions to get people to lose faith. The same way the devil wants to use persecutions to sift Jesus' followers, um, to sift them like we. The same way that he's hoping that evil will increase in the world and our love will grow cold is the same way that the devil is hoping that when we face earthquakes and famines and epidemics that you and me will let go of our faith and be like, and our love will go grow cold. And let me be clear. Let me be clear. Let me be clear about this. Whether we're, whether we're in the end times or not, the devil intends to use the, the events of the last 18 months to sift us like wheat. And to see if any of us will turn away from the faith or be deceived or if our love will go cold. So when, when, let me confess this to you. So when I've, when I've thought about the end times before uh, and I've read the Bible and I see, you know, the, what I often think about is the persecutions, Right? And I don't know, maybe you've seen movies about this or you've heard this taught about. 
when I think of end times, I think of, I think of the persecutions. I think of coming to a time where Christians will be persecuted. And I think of like how they were persecuted um, when, when the church was first beginning. Just people being put to death and burned at the stake and all these kinds of things for their faith. That's kind of what I assume or I think that the end times will be like. And when I think of that, I think, let's do it. And again, it's probably naive, right? Am I okay? Bring it on. Let's do it. Let's, let's get to that place. Let's do this thing. And this is kind of how humans are, right? We, when people say, you can't do that, you're like, oh, yes, I can. Let's do it. Let's make Christianity illegal. What if, what if instead of persecution and hatred and jail, We just get an epidemic. Where we're, where we're, uh, where we're just kind of lulled to sleep spiritually. Where Christ and his body have less and less priority in our lives. And we decided, you know, we decided, we, you know, we decided ourselves, you know, without any persecution needed. <laughs> to turn away from our faith and let our love grow cold. And listen, 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 listen. When Jesus says turn away from the faith or love grow cold, he's not describing folks who don't believe in Jesus anymore. He's not describing folks who are like atheists. He's not describing, and maybe those people are included. He's not just describing those people. And that's where my mind wants to go. He's like, oh, he's not talking about me. This is far, far, far more subtle. And far, way more far reaching. The the, the devil, one of the best things the devil does is he's subtle with us. Let me share this. Um, Cheryl Scruggs is an author of of the book, I Do Again. And in her book, she describes meeting her husband, Jeff, for the first time. Um, Her senior year in college um, swept her off her feet. She was actually almost engaged to another guy when Jeff shows up. And... uh, She she described their relationship as love at first sight. So Cheryl and Jeff, within a year, they're married. In an interview about the book, Cheryl says this. She says, going into marriage, I would have considered myself a Christian. I believe that Jesus died on the cross. I prayed a lot. Two years into my marriage, I started to feel empty. And I wasn't really sure why I felt empty. I really thought that there was something wrong with me. I thought that if I told Jeff that I was not happy or things didn't feel right to me, that he would leave me. And so I uh, just kept it all to myself. Later, she describes um, being out of town for work and connecting with a man from her work, sharing about her, uh, her loneliness in her marriage. When she flies back, she flies back home from this trip, she describes what it was like getting to the airport, seeing her family when, when she gets back. This is what she says. She says, I got off, got off the plane, and I saw the girls, her daughters, and hugged them. And it was, I, I was so excited to see them because I'd been gone for a week. And I looked at Jeff, and he hugged me, and I had my head on his shoulder, and I realized I hadn't missed him at all. And all I could think about at this point was this connection with this other man. 
A month later, I went to Jeff and I told him that I didn't know if I loved him and I didn't know if I wanted to stay married and I didn't know if I had ever loved him. Let me have you consider this. Um, <clears throat> when Cheryl told her husband those, those very difficult things, were they still married to each other? Yeah, right? Of course. They're still married. They still live together. They're still going through the motions. They're still doing the things. In that moment, it wasn't that she wasn't married anymore. In that moment, it was that she had given up faith in her marriage and given up faith that it could be any different. Uh, and, and that her love for her husband had grown cold. And, and so certainly, I mean, it's that, that moment that she was at this conference and she had that connection with the other guy, that kind of clarified what was already happening this whole time over here. It had been happening and they had been married and they had been living together and they've been doing the things. They, they, then she has this moment of clarity about what's really going on in her heart. It wasn't that she had given, it wasn't that she wasn't married anymore. She, was, she had given up faith in that her love had grown cold. This is closer to what Jesus meant when he talked about turning away from the faith and love growing cold. It's not that we don't believe in Jesus anymore. It's that we don't have faith in that relationship to do anything worthwhile in our lives. We don't, we don't believe that he can change our lives. We don't have faith that he can fill us with joy. We don't have faith in, the, in, the, in, in the, his presence that can give us pleasure forevermore. We don't believe that. We don't believe that he can deliver on that or that he actually will. And if you're like me, I believe that he can Often, I don't have the faith that he will. We don't believe that he will. We don't believe that he'll meet his needs or, or that he'll do miracles in our lives. And we've given up faith, even though, even though we, we, we may not have given up on going to, going to worship services or watching them online, we have given up faith in him and our relationship with him or and or our love for him has grown cold he's not our first love anymore he might be fourth or fifth or uh, behind our careers and egos and children and hobbies and marriages and whatever else safety and comfort and all the things all the things so 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 this and again so i'm included in this party what do we do? What do we do? So in the book of Revelation, um, a church is described. Jesus describes a church who's lost his first love. This is what he says. Jesus says, listen, I know your works, your labor, and your endurance. I also know that, if, that, I also know that you don't put up with those who are evil. You've tested those who say they are apostles but are not. You found them to be liars. You've shown, you've shown endurance and put up with a lot for my name's sake, and you've gotten tired, and you haven't gotten tired. But I have this against you. You let go, you have let go of the love you had at first. So. Here's what you got to do. 
Remember the high point from which you've fallen. Change your hearts and lives and do the things you did at first. If you don't, I'm coming to you. Now remove your lampstand from its place if you don't change your hearts and lives. Clearly, he's not talking to people who are not Jesus followers, who are are not a part of a church. These are just people who have begun to put their faith elsewhere and they have let go of their their love they had at first. And they were riding high with Christ, but their, their love has fallen into routine or they were doing some good things, but Christ wanted something more. And, and we, might, we, might, we might be doing some good things here, but have, the question I have is, have we let go of the love we had at first? So through this, through this epidemic that Christ mentions when he's talking to his disciples, have we let go of our first love? Have we let go of our faith? And if we have, this is just the first stage of suffering, right? The trials we've got to go through. And the question, the question that one of my friends was asking right from the beginning of this, if this is how Jesus followers respond now, what's going to happen when the real persecution starts? What's going to happen when jail and hatred and persecution and killing, what's going to happen then? If you have lost your faith in Christ's ability or willingness to meet you in all of this struggle and Christ is not your number one love and maybe, maybe, he's never ha- maybe he never has been, maybe you need to admit that, maybe he never has been, Christ graciously in the revelation gives us instructions. That's what I need. I'm do, Jesus comes to me and says, Daryl, you got this and this. I've got this against you. I'm like, okay, well, thank you. Do you have any help for me? He's like, yes. Yes, I do. Yes, I do. Remember the high point from which you've fallen. Change your heart and your life and do the things you did at first. So remember, pause, think about, remember where you've come from and then Change by doing the things that you've just remembered about. Remember those things you did at first. Do those things. Do those things. So at the end of the message last week, I said, we have to seek the Lord. I don't, I don't really have great specific answers for us as a church family. I don't. Wherever we find ourselves in these last 18 months, we got to seek the Lord. And I've asked you specifically to read Psalm 33, meditate on it, read it over again. Continue to read that because I'm going to speak to it specifically coming up soon. This is how we're going to walk through this. I want to add to that by asking God to remind you of times when you followed him more closely or when you have not let go of your faith. And when you remember, when you write that down, when you remember what, what, what those times were like, do the things you did at first. Do those things you did at first. Write it down. 
Write it down. Write it down. When he shows you, write it down. This will be our way of processing together what we should be doing, what's happening in the world to us and, and, and our faith during these last 18 months of, you know, for, 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 some, for some of us, for most of us. Um, and so when we're taking communion together in just a few minutes, that'd be a great time to reflect on what, what was it like? What were the things I was doing at first? Remember Yeah, communion would be a great time to remember that and ask yourself the question, have you let go of faith? Have you, has your love grown cold? It'd be a good time to recommit to doing the things you did at first. It'd be a great time to admit, admit <laughs> that your love's grown cold. And if you don't admit it, just, just like the woman I talked about with her book, it'll find you. It'll find you eventually. A few weeks ago, when Sam Winsley, uh, a member of our church, he spoke, he spoke about just before Jesus was uh, arrested and crucified, Peter, one of his disciples, thought that he understood what their relationship was, the strength of their relationship. The commitment level of that relationship. But Jesus predicted, he said, listen, you don't understand what this relationship is yet. And in just a little bit, you're going to betray me. Challenges and suffering reveal what relationships are. Just a few weeks ago, Roy talked about this. Suffering and love are often together. We say we love someone, but we often don't find out the strength of our love until they're suffering. And then you find out. And you find out how strong your relationship is or how much you Isn't that what's happened as part of this whole last 18 months? With Peter, Jesus predicted that he would fall away. He says this, Peter, uh, tonight you will fall away because of me. And Bible scholars would tell you that the you there that Jesus uses when he says tonight you will fall away from me is plural. So he's saying, all you guys, tonight you're going to fall away from me. This is because it was written, I hit the shepherd and the sheep of the flock will go off in all different directions, all directions. When I read this, I can't help but feel that it's happened to us in this pandemic. that the world, we were hit and the flock went off in all different directions. And most of us are okay with it. Many of us aren't coming back. We're like, it's cool. During this time of communion, um, I wondered if you'd be willing to admit, maybe that's you. Give some thought to remembering the high from which you've fallen, doing the things you did at first. If you're not a Jesus follower today, would, would, would you make today the day that when, when you become baptized, you begin to following him like, like your life depends on it?
Let me, let me just confess this to you. Um, getting ready for this message, you know, over the last, last couple of weeks. Most certainly Jesus is talking about me. When he talks about love growing cold and giving up your faith and not taking things as seriously as you once had, he most certainly is talking about me. So I don't want you to, to feel like, man, Daryl's being on me and telling me how awful I am. This is for us together. And the Lord calling us to do the things we did at first. To remember how far we've fallen and do the things we did at first. Let's pray together. Dear Father, we are seeking you and admitting there, there are many of us who would have to admit that we need to remember how far we've fallen and we need to do the things we did at first. We need your help. We need your help to, to do that. Um, we want to remember how you took 33 years on this earth and you dedicated every second of them selflessly to our salvation. And you didn't get tired and you didn't get up give up. I, I pray that you through the Holy Spirit would give us that, that ability to embrace our walk this way, that we will not stop. We will not give up and that we, you would renew in us fresh desire to pursue you with all of our hearts, whatever that means, whatever that means. Whatever that costs us, whatever that means. And certainly this, this pandemic has, has revealed things in us maybe we didn't want to know. I pray that whether we wanted to know them or not, though, you would give us the ability to take action. There is a world in need of you and your glory, and I pray that you can count on us to share it, and make it known. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you for listening. If you would like more information on our church, visit us online at arborbridgechurch.com.